0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, verses 30 through 35, called, Blot Me Out from Your Book. Exodus chapter 32, we're going to be
1: looking at blot me out of your book. What does that mean? You may have seen that we did a little uh, invitation to ask some questions about the, the question of blotting out of the book and what is the book and the significance of that. So we're going to jump into that tonight. Exodus 32, we will finish the chapter. Why don't we uh, do this? Let's locate it together and then stand up for the reading of these few verses. Exodus 32, picking it up at verse 30. On the next day, Moses said to the people, you yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Exodus thirty-two thirty-one. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, This people has committed a great sin, and they have made a God of gold for themselves. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out from your book, which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, whoever sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. But go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin." Then the Lord smote the people because of what they had did because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Father, thank you so much for this small but powerful section as we conclude Exodus 32 and as we look at Moses' great intercession for the people and his great offer to you, Lord, and there is really a casting of a shadow of the ultimate mediator In the life of Moses, and we can see that as we read these few verses. And tonight we want to have a heart like you, Lord. We want to be more like Jesus, conformed into the image of our great God and Savior. And, and Lord, we can, we can walk like Him. We can be, uh, walking in the footsteps of our Messiah. We are to walk, in fact, in the same manner as He walked. And that's a a lofty calling. And I pray tonight that to the degree that we can achieve that, this side of heaven, you would help us, Lord, in that endeavor. And I think in in looking at Moses, we can see a beautiful picture of what it means to be a person after God's own heart, to walk in humility, to walk in sacrificial love, to have the love of God permeate our being. We struggle with it, Lord. We confess it. Sometimes we see idols that... Uh, We can easily gravitate to in our own lives. We can easily be at the foot of that mountain, joining in with the others. And I I pray that tonight you'd help us to be more like Moses, spending time in your glory, having your heart, your eyes, uh, your loving kindness, which is better than life. So we pray that you do a mighty work in our hearts. We pray over our country tonight. We need a great awakening, Father. We need a revival, And I pray that, indeed, it would start with your church and start right here in our hearts. In Jesus' name, if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. So it came about, Exodus 32, 30, on the next day. There's always the day after sin. And uh, the previous day had been the confrontation of Moses coming down the mountain with the tables of the law. And he smashed them because the people had broken the law. And something that Moses did is he approached his brother and he confronted Aaron. And he basically said to him, what is happening, bro? (laughs) What did these people do to you that you have done this thing? And you remember the lame excuse that Aaron made? You know, I took the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. And he was telling the truth for a while. And then he kind of, you know, he came up with a whopper and, and we've all probably been there before. And you know if you've read the story or you've been with us that Moses took the calf and burned the calf and threw the, the burnt gold, if you will, into the water and he made the people drink it. And I couldn't help but think of liquid gold. So if any of you have ever... Did you, did you ever dust with liquid gold? Is liquid gold really a thing? Is that the name of a product? Never mind. Anyway... They tasted it, and it was a bitter taste. And when Shane told that story that I washed his mouth out with soap at some point in his childhood, I don't, I don't remember that. I honestly don't remember that. It probably did happen. I'm not questioning his sincerity, but anyway. But I will say this, that there is always an aftertaste the next day after sin, you can you can be promised that you're going to have a great time and you're just going to go with the flow and you're going to dance around the golden calf or whatever. And maybe you get swept up in a moment, which is really easy for any of us. You know, a peer pressure is strong. Yeah, where is Moses? Where did he go? And, and all of a sudden to join in with the, the ways of Egypt, which they weren't that far removed from it, right? And so they, many people, maybe there were instigators and then others who joined in, but it, it was the day after. And so the day after sin is, is a reality. And sometimes there is a bitter aftertaste and you can't forget that. And, and a lot of the, the carrots that dangle before us, you know, in, in the promise of excitement or, uh, this or that as it, as it relates to sin, you will very rarely hear about the aftertaste. But there is always an aftertaste. There's always a price to be paid when you go toward the idol. So it is the next day after that confrontation, after 3,000 people paid with their lives. That's Exodus thirty-two twenty-eight. Just a side note that the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And 3,000 people died at the giving of the law. And 3,000 people were saved when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 were added to the church. If you want the reference, it's Acts 2.41. And by the way, scholars believe, many scholars believe, that the day of Pentecost fell on the exact day that the law was given. And so there is a definite parallel. 3,000 die at the giving of the law, 3,000 are saved at the giving of the Spirit. That's a very interesting contrast. And we do know that under the Old Covenant, there was severe uh, penalties for idolatry. In fact, the penalty was death. So all the people who participated in this sin deserved to die. But 3,000 people paid with their lives, sadly, And it says in verse 30, on the next day, Moses said to the people, you yourselves have committed a great sin. And now I'm going up to the Lord. And I have shared with you that Moses was going up and down, up to the Lord, back down to the people. And Moses then says, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. You're going to see the word sin mentioned at least six times in these few verses And notice that Moses confronts the people with, they've committed a great sin. Now, sin is a reality, and sin literally means to miss the mark. So we are not perfect. All of us have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all imperfect. If you think about, you know, trying to hit a bullseye with a dart, you might hit it several times, but you're going to miss and that, that just simply means that you're imperfect, that you're a fallen human being, and that's why we sin. But there's other forms of sin, and one form of sin is a transgression. And a transgression means you know the line and you cross it despite knowing. And Israel did know the line here, and they still crossed the line, and they had their reasons why. We don't know what happened to Moses, etc. And so... He calls their sin a great sin. Just this is a side note. There are levels of sin. Sometimes you will hear people say, sin is sin. In one sense that's true, in another sense that's not true. Jesus said, He who delivered me over to you, Pilate, has the greater sin. What does that mean? It means that there are sin, some sins that are greater than other sins. For example, when you sin with foreknowledge, when you know the right thing to do and don't do it, well, then there's, there's a, even more of a, a weight to that, you could say. There are also levels of sin in, in, in relation to how serious they are and what kind of consequences they have. You can hate someone in your heart, which in, on one level is the same as committing murder, but on another level, it's not the same as committing murder because you could repent of that in your heart and get things right. But if you take someone's life, there's a different set of consequences, amen? So there are sins that are lesser and sins that are greater. And here, their sin is called a great sin. And Moses says, and now I'm going up to the Lord, that's Yahweh, perhaps, he doesn't know for sure, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. The word sin, if you're interested, is Uh, kata. It's C-H-A-T-A. Sometimes it has an extra A-H on the end. And in the Hebrew picture language, this word means to build a wall brick by brick around yourself until finally you close yourself in. You become a prisoner to your sin. And here's the other nuance of this. And you wall yourself off to God and others. When you continue to sin, You build your own prison brick by brick, and you end up walling yourself off to God because sin, what, separates us from God and from others. And so that's something that you have to consider. Each time you consider, should I do this? Should I not do it? What is the cost? It's another brick in the wall, as it were, as Pink Floyd sung about some years ago. That's a different story. But this is what the word sin represents. It's a great sin. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And so Moses is going to head back up to God with the hope that he can make atonement. How will he make atonement? It says, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Moses had heard about the people's sin up on the mountain, but now he had seen it in all its ugliness. You know, it's one thing to hear about something. It's another thing to see it for yourself, right?
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: You can watch Pastor Michael's teachings in their entirety. 19 chapters later, you're the hook. We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday teachings. The modern application could be the power of the sword with For example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be on stage. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael prefers you attend your church Sunday mornings or visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, as fellowship is important. But you are invited to watch the 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service anytime. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? To watch Pastor Michael's teachings and to follow our YouTube channel for live streams, you can find the links and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. For example, when you sin with foreknowledge, when you know
1: the right thing to do and don't do it, well, then there's there's a, even more of a, a weight to that, you could say. There are also levels of sin in, in in relation to how serious they are and what kind of consequences they have. You can hate someone in your heart, which in on one level is the same as committing murder, but on another level, it's not the same as committing murder. Because <laughs> you could repent of that in your heart and get things right. But if you take someone's life, there's a different set of consequences. Amen? So there are sins that are lesser and sins that are greater. And here, their sin is called a great sin. And Moses says, and now I am going up to the Lord. That's Yahweh. Perhaps, he doesn't know for sure, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. The word sin, if you're interested, is uh, kata. It's C-H-A-T-A. Sometimes it has an extra A-H on the end. And in the Hebrew picture language, this word means to build a wall brick by brick around yourself until finally you close yourself in. You become a prisoner to your sin. And here's the other nuance of this. And you wall yourself off to God and others. When you continue to sin, you build your own prison brick by brick, and you end up walling yourself off to God Because sin, what? Separates us from God and from others. And so that's something that you have to consider. Each time you consider, should I do this? Should I not do it? What is the cost? It's another brick in the wall, as it were, as Pink Floyd sung about some years ago. That's a different story. But this is what the word sin represents. It's a great sin. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And so Moses is going to head back up to God with the hope that he can make atonement. How will he make atonement? It says, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Moses had heard about the people's sin up on the mountain, but now he had seen it in all its ugliness. You know, it's one thing to hear about something. It's another thing to see it for yourself, right? And Moses had been up in the glory of God and the holiness and the power of God. And now he goes down to see what they've tried to replace God with. Talk about a downer. Talk about a major step down from the glory of God up on Mount Sinai to this golden monstrosity. And that's all man can produce is a weak substitute that God will say over and over again in the Bible, that's impotent to save, it can't do anything. Why would you construct something and then worship it. What will you compare to me? Well, Moses has been up on the mountain. And when you spend time with God, sin looks a little bit uglier, doesn't it? It looks a little bit more foul, a little bit more disastrous. And so Moses says, perhaps I can go up and make atonement. The question is, can he? Maybe a second question is, how can he? James Montgomery Boyce has gone home to be with the Lord, says he imagines that the prophet spends the night struggling to figure out how to make atonement. The night passed, says Boyce, and the morning came when Moses was to reascend the mountain. He had been thinking some sometime during the night a way that might possibly divert the wrath of God against the people had come to him. He remembered the sacrifices of the Hebrew patriarchs and the newly instituted sacrifice of the Passover. Certainly, God had shown by such sacrifices that he was prepared to accept an innocent substitute in the place of the just death of a sinner. His wrath could sometimes fall on that substitute. We learned that in the tabernacle as well. Perhaps God would accept, dot, dot, dot. When morning came, Moses ascended the mountain. With great determination, reaching the top, he began to speak to God. What did he know about God? God. He knew the Lord was gracious and merciful, full of compassion, a God of loving kindness, which the Lord will declare his name to Moses in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, full of compassion, full of loving kindness and mercy. That's who he had been spending time with. So there was hope, as holy as God is, that perhaps he will forgive. To be sure, God is gracious, merciful, full of love, Loving kindness and forgiveness, but it cannot be presumed as if it is God's duty that He is duty bound to remove our sins anytime and anywhere we ask Him. German writer Heinrich Heine said on his deathbed, get this, while conversing with a priest, God will forgive me, that's His job. Close quote. God will forgive me, that's His job. Uh, no, my friend, it is not his job to forgive you. It's his grace that forgives you. But he doesn't owe you, and he doesn't owe me anything. He is not duty-bound to forgive. The word for atonement, perhaps I can make atonement, is a key idea tonight. And if you're interested, it is the word Kafar. We have a Hebrew uh, feast that is coming up on the calendar, and it is called the uh, Feast of Yom Kippur. And this is the idea of the uh, of the covering of sin, or the word kafar. Uh, this is the idea of atonement. The word for atonement first comes up, if you're taking notes in Exodus 29, 33, verses 36 and 37, then in Exodus 30, verses 10, 15, and 16. In these passages, there is the sin offering, for example, in Leviticus 4 and other places. And then in one uh, passage, atonement money can be offered to make holy. Here, just concentrating on the main meaning of atonement, kafar, it's a mean, it's a word that means to cover, if you're taking notes, to purge, or to expiate, or to cover with pitch, kafar, to make atonement. The word is used of the Ark of Noah in Genesis 6.14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it with kafar. Cover it, kafar, inside and out, with pitch, which is the Hebrew word kofar. And so it's the idea of covering. Think about Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark was covered with pitch. Why was the Ark created? To save Noah and his family from what? The wrath of God in a flood. The Ark became a floating house of salvation. It was a floating cross, if you will. And Noah and his family got into it. And God sealed the door... And it became the means of salvation. And the ark points to the ultimate saving instrument, if you will, which is Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ. When uh, Moses was born, his mama, in order to hide him from the Pharaoh's edict, put him in a little basket. The little basket was covered with pitch. Now, in the uh, account of the ark, and in the basket of Moses, the same Hebrew word for the ark and the basket is tebah, T-E-B-A-H. It means a vessel. In the Hebrew picture language, tebah or teva is the house of the sign or the house of the cross. Get this. this When you take the Hebrew letters the way Moses would have written it, the ark and the basket are the house of the sign or the house of the cross used twice uh, Noah's ark Moses' basket both vessels covered with pitch kafar atonement both become floating means of salvation one saved Noah and his family from the flood one saved Moses from the Pharaoh's edict this is the word for atonement and Moses is saying, perhaps I can do this. Now, In I have a Hebrew word picture uh, dictionary here that I sometimes refer to. It's written by Dr. Seekins. And he takes the word and breaks down the letters the way Moses would have written it. And he writes these words. The word for cover, kafar, and pitch, kofar, is the Hebrew word for atonement. The word means to forgive, or in the Hebrew picture language, It literally means to cover the mouth of the man. Here's the picture. Moving away from the objects to like a judge or a person. When a judge or a person could convict you with their words, I saw you doing this and you are guilty. Rather than them speaking out the words, they cover their mouth and they don't speak it. That's the word for atonement. It's to cover the mouth of the man to not condemn when you have the right to condemn, like a judge or defendant, to cover the person's sin or wipe it away when you could declare them guilty. It's the covering. See the word cover. That's kafar. The pitch on the ark, the pitch on the basket, and now the mouth gets covered. Instead of speaking words of condemnation, it stays silent. This is the idea of atonement.
0: You've been listening to Blot Me Out from Your Book, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 30 through 35. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. You can always just click that share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. Join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 32 verses 30 through 35 called Blot Me Out from Your Book. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.